This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 177 for the week of November 6, 2017. Resilient Balloon David T. Cole, and I'm here with sexy PSA Sarah D. Bunting. PTS <coughs> D. Hard Nipple Haver Tara Ariano. Poink. And toddler adjacent sex scene Stephanie Green. <laughs> He'll work it out later in therapy. <laughs> Welcome to another extra hot great. Joining us is our dear friend, Wine and Roses co-host and uh, superstar mom, Stephanie Green. Hello, Stephanie. <laughs> Hi, guys. Yeah! <laughs> I'm sure you're very excited to represent all momhood in regards oh. to our discussion about Smilf. But first, I'm going to throw to Dave, who's got a tiny triumph. Today's Tiny Triumph, it is Tuesday as we record this. You're listening to this at the earliest on Wednesday. Tuesday is the second day of our soft launch for our Indiegogo campaign, the return of the epic old school recaps. And we are very pleased to report that after two days of a soft launch, we're almost a hair's breadth away from 50% as we record this. Our goal is to get some funds to bring back those Television Without Pity style epic essay length television recaps. Uh, we are halfway there and we haven't even really kind of gone into high gear yet. So we're very hopeful that it is going to happen. You can go to previously.tv slash recaps, and that'll send you to the Indiegogo page where you can read all about uh, what we want to do and the timeline and that kind of stuff. And we have some shows in mind. We do. We have some shows in mind. Uh, we have Claws in mind. We have The Crown in mind. The full list is at that URL, which once again is previously.tv slash recaps that will bring you to the Indiegogo page. That's just a starting list. If we hit our goal and get into some stretch goals, we are happy to add to that list. We're happy to make it 12. We're happy to make it 16. There's ways that you can influence the outcome of which shows are selected. So definitely check it out. We are excited to return to the mouse wheel busting 27 pages <laughs> of yore, and we hope that you can help us out. You can also get a sneak preview of what awaits if we hit our goals, Tara. Yes. Well, we started a couple of weeks ago with Omar's sample recap of the premiere of The Walking Dead. I also have written one for the season one finale of Claws, one of my favorite shows of the summer. It's long. It's, it's yeah. very detailed and long. Don't worry. There's lots of words. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So uh, check it out. Previously dot TV recaps. And we hope you will back our campaign for the return of the epic old school recaps. All right. Now on to our lead topic, Smilf. And before we get into the actual show, can I just say, like, I think we've talked about this in the past, but gimmicky titles and pun titles on a tv show you just gotta really be careful 
this is such a loaded term too. not only like gender politics and all like that, but just like, oh, yeah, American Pie. I'm going to associate my show with that. <laughs> um, you know, like it's it, for me, it's just like going into it. I was just like arms crossed looking at the TV like, OK, fine. Smell. Yeah. <laughs> like it just cause, sort of put me on put. Put me on the defensive right away. I feel like Bill Lawrence should be required to give one of those like online writing tutorial classes on like what not to call your show. Because have we learned nothing from Cougar Town? Honest to God, it's been years. Like, yeah, I was just going to say that, too. Don't give your show a title that's going to do exactly what it did to Dave, which is put them off immediately, which Smilf kind of does. And it's more it is more it is more for the just the I don't know, kind of the laziness, the the um parasitical relationship it has with another piece of pop culture you know like it just mm -hmm. seems like a bad idea to start off with okay so smilf is uh showtime's <laughs> new sitcom <laughs> female fronted sitcom stars and create was created by frankie shaw um and she plays bridget who is a single mother you may or may not like to fuck who lives in boston it's raising her incredibly adorable son larry whom she named after larry bird and can we all agree this kid is like one of the cutest kids on television because wow he's he's really cute yeah or in the world adorable <laughs> they also do a good job of not giving like he's the right age to just be for them to be able to just like shove him around and have him do whatever or like improvise in a way that a toddler can without requiring him to like deliver cutesy lines which is a plus no one wants to see that it's yeah. gross um but she is a, seems like she's trying to be an actor she's a tutor to um a rich family who the mom is connie Britton, who is really funny and uh she's also really struggling and she's separated from her ex uh rafi that's his name right Raphael. yeah um who's still kind of around but not as around as she might like and she's like living in a studio apartment and stuff is rough and i will just say i watched the first one of these and thought okay there's some really harsh stuff in here but maybe they're just coming in hot in the premiere with like a really aggressive statement and then after this it will kind of calm down but i watched the next two and it just really stressed me out to see somebody making every wrong decision all the time because this is what made me stop watching shameless so stephanie you're a mom what did you think of this oh my god this was a tough watch for me you guys i um so yeah i had the same experience like i watched the first one and i was like wow i'm glad i'm watching this by myself because there is no other human being on the planet who i would feel comfortable <laughs> even having in the same house let alone room while i'm watching this because <laughs> mm -hmm. it is just like non-stop cringeworthy stuff like uh there's bulimia there's masturbation there's a lot of vagina talk mm -hmm. um there's having sex in the same bed as your sleeping child there's With a blanket over uh, him like oh that makes it okay <laughs> no oh my god that i mean and i try not to be a judgy mom because judgy moms are the worst even though every mom is a judgy mom secretly sure but I just could not control my, i was like this lady is the worst i i was mad at her and like why is she i mean Surely her mother lives locally. Have your mom watch the kid if you want to get laid that badly. Like, it, you know, every choice she made, I was finding a reason to hate that choice. Mm -hmm. So then, like you, Tara, I went on to the second episode thinking, well, maybe they're, you know, they're just trying to shock us into <laughs> watching and then we'll get some 
character development and growth. Nope, nope. She gets she gets worse in episode two. Sleeps with a teenager, unprotected sex, even though she already has she's already a single mom. Um, and then she does all sorts of other questionable shit. And then episode three, she they have like absurdist fantasy scenes, which we can talk about later um, that I did not love. Mm -hmm. And then um, she decides to like make sexy videos online and she films them in front of her child. So no, no growth, no learning. Um, So it was just really hard for me to get comfortable watching this show. And I never did. I was on edge the entire time. Uh, Sarah, you're not a sitcom person. Did this one make you more likely to seek out additional episodes? Um, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it does a lot of things well. Like it, I mean, like the set design of like a, like the bathroom of someone with children where it's just chock-a-block with toys and towels and like she's drying the kid off with paper towels like uh aunt dodo has done this <laughs> she's not proud of it but these things happen um and whatever the kid thought it was funny i hope um it like it, i i liked the realism but it was also like it was exhausting like yeah. i did watch all three of the i watched the first three and i liked i liked rafi's girlfriend and how that zagged instead of zigging mm-hmm. that she winds up being like a totally fine like once there's a handoff and the line at the clinic is like a million miles long and larry has a rash that everyone's like it's chicken pox and it's like totally not but uh rafi's girlfriend who is a sideline reporter named nelson rose because mm-hmm. of course um <laughs> is like totally great at it and her dad's a pediatrician and she like kind of collaborates with bridget to like get these vaccines that Rafi is like, no, I read on the dark web that they're, that they're bad or whatever his bullshit anti-vax rationale is. <laughs> Actually, I think he got it from his, his mom. mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the dark web for some people is your mom. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought, I thought that was good. And I liked, like, I like her. I like Frankie Shaw. I think she's, pretty but in a like real person kind of way and she's she's charismatic and everything but like just that sequence where she like gets into Allie's bathtub with the dirty and then she's wearing her robe and her jewelry and that was uncomfortable for me because I'm really uptight and then she's fucking Allie's kid and then he comes in his own eye and his suit is all <laughs> fucked up and i was just like i can't i don't think i can be in the same room as the show anymore yeah, like exactly. it's really a lot it kicked down the door and it's like what do you got i'm here i'll do anything here we go <laughs> and uh it was just like too much it was just like a show like it, it always wants to be uh like in your it, it's this is like uh Poot the Poochie episode of Simpsons. It's just like totally rad in your face. You know, like can we can we like, you know, single mom her by ten percent and they color in her sunglasses. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's just like it's just in your face. It's too much. It's it's sort of like over engineered uh single momminess. You know what I mean? Like it is just too much and not like 
too much in the way that like too much. I don't want to watch this show because it makes me uncomfortable. It's a dessert that's too sweet. It's it's, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's just like it makes my teeth ache uh, kind of reaction to it, except it's not the show's not sweet. It's just like awkward. So they're making they're baking with awkwardness. And it's just like too much awkwardness. All I can taste is the awkwardness. And I just like, I it didn't give me a, a moment to kind of like breathe and take in everything that it wants to say if it could stop shouting. Yeah, I do think there's like, there's a good show in here somewhere. Like I loved the way they portrayed her relationship with her mom is played by Rosie O'Donnell. Mm. Like if it was a show about the mom, I would so much, I would be so much more interested in that. Like she seems like so much more of a person. Whereas the, the Bridget character just seems like her, she thinks her purpose is to just shock you constantly. And it's like, it's exhausting. And and the other thing about why the, like, I was thinking like the, it, it just feels a little bit off to me as well because it's like it's taking, you know, a show like Louie, which is like it's not realistic, but like, you know, it trucks in real world situations and relatable ones. But then this makes it like cartoony almost or like so exaggerated that uh, their approach to making the show, which let's just call it Louie-esque, is in conflict with how in your face and over the top the situations and the characters can be and it just doesn't gel for well me. and i think there's an Let's argument to be made that single mothers on tv traditionally are portrayed in this sort of like you know one and a half dimensional light i mean you could say that about yeah moms on most moms on tv uh yes. and that there are taboos that are worth breaking in those portrayals to to like give you a picture of a whole person but like do we have to break every single taboo in like eight minutes <laughs> right like when in one episode, o'donnell's character is like the relief like your your moment of zen in the show <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm not sure that's that's telling yeah it, it is and maybe the maybe the reason for that is that when you get when you get a show in 2017, you do feel like, oh, shit, this could all come out from under me at any time because shows get canceled constantly. Like, I better get all of the ideas in that I want while I can. But that's not a pleasant viewing experience, at least for this viewer. I thought I had kind of a... Um teenage sensibility about what's provocative or like what's interesting yeah uh like sex and vaginas and you know it's <laughs> like okay like i don't know I, the whole first episode the focus on like after you have a kid like what your vagina is like it's like i feel like this has been laughed at before and it's not actually that funny or interesting and like <laughs> really her kids too and this is the first time she's approaching this you know what i mean like um I just felt like maybe that it, it felt like filler that was stretched out and it wasn't even ah! good filler to be <laughs> sorry. Poor <Ew. laughs> <Forward> choice. <laughs> we all or have a um, sensibility. <laughs> yeah. No, but you, you, do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, um, yes. yeah. And, and the other thing was, uh, the, the tone was so inconsistent. Well, not even the tone, the, um, Maybe it was the tone, the way that they did the absurdist like flashes, like she'd go into like a dream sequence or a fantasy. And there was like maybe one per episode, but it wasn't very consistently done. And it wasn't 
again, that interesting. So I don't know what it wasn't like that can be done well and to great effect, like crazy ex-girlfriend, like will work in musical numbers. Clearly, like that's a Mm -hmm. fantastical departure from the normal script. And it really adds to the show. I didn't think this added anything when she, you know, had a fantasy about like having sex with dudes that she met at the basketball court. You know, like what what does that add? Maybe I'm just well, no, because especially like her what's actually happening that's not in a fantasy sequence is also over the top. So there's not enough of a contrast there. Yeah, I'd be interested yes. to see. Yes, I'd be interested to know like what the pitch was like or the pitch process for this, because. First of all, I think Showtime is maybe like getting into a rut with this, like slightly shocking, but not in a thought out and f- sort of sincerely felt way like part of their brand uh like it it should be good and not just shocking and the other thing is this was a short film and i'd be interested to know what the just what that process was like to transition it to tv and whether she was getting a lot of like you know that there was someone being like well we're gonna call it smilf and we do want this american pie like comedic take on it like not that it has to be dark but I don't know. I'd just be interested to to know what the what the push pull was between Frankie Shaw and like the larger production and the network and how we got to this place where it's like, you know, take one thing off, not your panties, please. Like we we got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do think that she's talented, so I might like just let this one lie fallow for a while. And then if I hear that people really are into it or that it you know, went in a somewhat different direction or calmed down that I might revisit it. But yeah, same. Like for now, like I said, it's, it's stressed me out to watch it. Like it was not, I, I can, I can't speak to the experience of a real single mother because I'm not single or a mother, (laughs) but um, you know, I believe that she knows what she's doing and that this probably must have resonated with people along the way to make it into a show but for me personally it was a it was a lot and shameless is the closest example i can think of of a show where i finally had to quit because it was it really was stressful to watch i i think there's some good stuff in here but i think it needs to calm down and when i if yeah. i hear that it's calmed down like i'm not against it as a format and i agree that she's talented but i also felt Like there were certain sequences of it that felt like a nightmare I've had where I'm like trying to find my bag and I can't get back to the Mm -hmm. room that I was originally in. And I was like, I have that nightmare enough. I don't need to have it as entertainment, quote unquote. So, yeah, I'm with Tara. Uh, No, I am done. Um, I can't (laughs) I can't subject myself to this anymore. I really did like a lot of the performances. And like Sarah said, I love the set design. I thought it was great. I liked looking at it. But um, I didn't like hearing it. Um, so I don't <laughs> think I will watch this anymore. Dave? Oh, God, no. Uh, as if on cue, um, talking about motherhood, um, Stephanie's kid started uh, going bazoo. You <laughs> she has an ear during... infection. She's not her. She's not at her best. So she has had to go deal with that. She may be back. She may not. But we are moving on to Around the Dial. Tara's our first stop. 
Okay, I want to talk about Rosehaven, which is an Australian sitcom that is currently running on Sundance. You can watch past episodes and the Sundance website, which I believe is SundanceTV.com. It's the story of Daniel, who uh, has left his hometown of Rosehaven on Tasmania to go and live on the mainland. And now he's come back because his mother's having back surgery. And so she needs him to run her real estate agency while she's out of commission. And every time someone sees him, they ask why he's back. And then it, the joke, the running joke through the season is couldn't hack it. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of like so, sort of a provincial kind of place. And he's barely just arrived when his best friend Emma shows up because she's just gotten married and her husband left her on their honeymoon. So she's trying to figure out what her next move should be and ends up sort of drifting into the real estate agency and hijinks ensue. Rosehaven is a cute little town full of quirky weirdos more to the northern exposure end of that spectrum than Gilmore Girls where it feels more earned and less quirk for quirk's sake and because of the real estate agency setting you know you can have a different weirdo every week who's trying to sell their place or rent a different place or whatever Um, and to call it like a slow gentle kind of comedy makes it seem like it's really toothless but it's it's really sweet and charming and emma is a weirdo in the best way and one of my favorite new sitcom characters of 2017 and i have one clip to give you an example so dave please play that emmy you should join us on one of our runs oh i don't run unless i'm in mortal danger and even then if it was going to be a quick death i'd seriously consider it over running (laughs) that's not a joke i'd rather die than run (laughs) so what do you do for exercise Sometimes I dream I'm flying. (laughs) (laughs) So that's her. Um, It's a really cute show. Uh, The relationship between Daniel and Emma is is very well drawn. They just are best friends and there's not like a... I, I can't tell if they're maybe heading for some kind of sexual thing, but it doesn't seem like that, at least in season one. Daniel and his mother have a great relationship too. She's like a really crusty old bat and she doesn't approve of anything he does and thinks he's useless um and uh it's just good so i recommend it check it out uh as i said you can find it on the website and it's every i think thursday nights now and for my plug i will mention that um will and grace has had its fall finale but kevin and i are starting at the start of the original run of the series back we're having uh our episode on the series premiere season one episode one this week on will and grace and kevin and tara and i also want to just mention which i have in the past shark tank ranked the best podcast on a show i don't watch it's my favorite thing (laughs) phil michaels uh who has written about the show for us uh is very dry and very disgusted by a lot of these pitches um so you should check it out i enjoy it very much stephanie's back hi stephanie hi everything okay (laughs) yeah i'm good um they're good so i want to talk about uh 90 day fiance and it's spin off before (laughs) the 90 days uh honestly you guys i think tlc should cancel all of its other programming which is dumb anyway and it's mostly about like big families and no one cares (laughs) and just continue to expand this franchise because it is the gift that keeps on giving um case you don't know the premise of the original 90 day fiance is that there are American people who find their true loves abroad and then bring said true loves to the U.S. on a K-1 visa, which is a visa that allows the foreign half of the couple to stay in the U.S. for 90 days to get married. And once they're married, then they can stay and begin the green card process. But if they don't get married within the 90 days, then the true foreign love must go back to 
their foreign country. Um, so high stakes. Uh, and it's just completely <laughs> fascinating because these are real people with real weird stories. And in almost all the cases, there is a reason why the American person is seeking a spouse overseas. And it's usually not great. Like, it's usually something like women's lib made American women too lippy. So like, you know, I'm I'm looking for an old fashioned woman in East Asia, like that kind of thing. Or it's something like a lady got drunk on vacation in Jamaica and like fell in love with the lifeguard. That's an actual thing that happened. Although they're doing very <laughs> yeah, well. And now I they're having that a baby one. together. Devar and Melanie. Um, oh my God, or... Why am I not watching this show? Oh, oh, Tara, <laughs> Tara. You, I mean, this is like a true hole that you need to like. This is this is essential watching. Um, and just as there's usually a strong reason for the American person to not be able to find a spouse in our very large country, um, there's usually a strong reason why the <laughs> Foreign person wants to come to the U.S. And spoiler alert, it's not usually because they're madly in love with this particular American. It's usually because they want a green card. And it's so like that's so obvious. And very rarely do you find a couple where it's truly transactional. Like it's just understood. OK, I am coming to the U.S. because I need a green card. The deal is you'll provide for me and give me citizenship and in return, I'll have sex with you. Like, that's what fundamentally all these relationships are about. But all of the Americans pretend that they're about love. So it, it's just crazy. Um, the relationship dynamics are super messed up. And it's fun to watch because you don't know right off the bat which half of the couple you're going to root for. I usually find myself rooting for the gold digging foreigner because the American dupe is usually so stupid or delusional that I figure they deserve what they get. You know, <laughs> like that sounds harsh. But if you watch the show, you'd see what I mean. Um, there have been a few couples that have been legitimately in love and somewhat well matched, but they are few and far between. Um, generally, if you watch this show, you're not getting that. You're not getting true love. You're getting messed up, weird sneaky power dynamics um i love it um and i love that unlike a lot of the other reality tv i watch it's not overly edited to heighten drama because it actually does not need to be um so everyone should watch it um before the 90 days is the spinoff that it's just people who haven't actually gotten the k1 visa yet so they're even like their their relationships are on even less solid footing um so before the 90 days just wrapped up, but you can stream it on TLC.com and 90 day fiance comes on Sundays at eight, seven central on TLC. Um, and for my plug, don't, don't have anything to plug at the moment, but you can follow me on Twitter at E T E F F I. And, um, you can check out my blog, Stephanie And then I guess I'll be back in January to do wine and roses our bachelor podcast yes. sarah d bunting hello uh i'm gonna talk briefly about a new documentary from netflix called joan didion the center will not hold uh i'm sort of obsessed with didion both her writing and like writing about her and also writing that includes a lot of pictures of her and her super chic malibu life from the 60s and 70s i don't know why i'm like that but i am this documentary will not necessarily give you anything that you wouldn't have gotten from that vulture piece about her and 
like the production of uh, Magical Thinking and the writing of Blue Nights. It uh, we'll put it in the show notes. It was from a couple of years back. Uh, it's a lot of the same material, but it like you know good canon presentations want get me to you know look into auxiliary materials or watch more of the show. This got me revisiting Didion's essay books, uh, Slouching Towards Bethlehem and The White Album. Uh, it's directed by Griffin Dunn, who is her nephew by marriage. Uh, he's good. He does a creditable job staying out of the material's way, mostly. By which I mean that Dominic, his father, is not inserted into it that much at all. Thank you. <laughs> um, so if you like windows into the late sixties among the chattering classes, it is a fun sit. There is one scene where Didion and Vanessa Redgrave, who played her ish in the stage adaptation of magical thinking. Uh, I did not care for that production because I thought Redgrave was miscast. But anyway, there was this scene that was frankly a bit bizarre where they were sitting and reviewing photo albums of their respective dead daughters and discussing what that was like. I believe that they're actually friends in real life, but this felt quite contrived in a way that completely doesn't go with Didion herself and her like stripped down Hemingway-esque prose. Uh, so when you get to that part, just fast forward or go get a Diet Coke. There's no <laughs> need for it. Other than that, it's a, it's a solid hour and a half and I recommend it if you like her work and even if you don't know it very well. My plug is for The Blotter Presents, which will be, uh, it will have dropped as you're listening to this. And it is Sarah and Adam and Kevin and Tara on The Blotter <laughs> Presents on Kat McPhee's The Lost Wife of Robert Durst on Lifetime. That's Adam Grossworth of Two Spotted Dicks and, of course, Kevin O'Keefe and our own Tara from Will and Grace and Kevin and Tara. It was quite a discussion. Uh, we also nominated the next great musical about a famous crime. It was fun to record and should be very fun to listen to. So that's the blotter presents. That was the end of it. Um, all right, Tara, you're ready. It's time for yep. the second week of the pickle and peanut challenge. Please take off your headphones. I'm going to play the theme for all our right. listeners. Here okay. We go. Sharks, swords, yogurt, cakes, fries, smartphones, hot tubs. Yeah. Shades, bagels, grills, airbrush, chrome, blankets, mopeds, yes. Drop top, laptop, breathmint, scars, kittens, what's these drive-thrus fresh? Tight pants, widescreens, tacos, wheelies, freestyles, dress stores, mini trampolines. Pickle and peanut. Pickle and peanut. Pickle and peanut. Pick, 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 pick. All right, Tara, here we go. Okay. Sharks, swords, yogurt, kicks. Fries, smartphones, hot tubs, yes. Shades, bagels, grills, airbrush. Ooh, that's as far as I can go. <laughs> Mini trampolines. Oh. oh. The next word was chrome, but that's all we're going to give you. Chrome. We'll try again next week, Tara. Okay. All right. It is time for the canon. Tara Ariano is pitching this week. Take it away, Tara. Hello, I'm presenting to the canon season one, episode seven of Detroiters, titled Smiling Jack. Detroiters was one of the most surprising sitcom launches of 2017 and proof that for Comedy Central, Broad City wasn't a fluke. The network really is committed to trusting new voices to pursue their very personal comedic visions. 
Detroiters was created by and stars Sam Richardson, best known as Richard on Veep, and Tim Robinson, briefly of Saturday Night Live, who are both from the city or its environs. They play Sam Duvet and Tim Cramblin, best friends and partners in a formerly successful ad agency started by Tim's father, who has since, as they always put it on the show, gone insane and been institutionalized. (laughs) The show's whole first season is confident and hilarious, but here's what makes Smile and Jack a superior episode and, in my opinion, a canon-worthy exemplar for the series. Number one, it shows us the wide range of ways Tim and Sam can be bad at their jobs. (laughs) It wouldn't be much of a sitcom or a show of any kind, I guess. If Tim and Sam were awesome at their jobs, but while they do eke out some wins in the fullness of time, generally speaking, they have weaknesses. In the case of this episode, we open with a visit from Irvin Doris Smith, clients of Cramblin and Duvet and owners of Smith's Baby and Teen Kid Furniture. (laughs) (laughs) which makes me laugh every time they say it. Doris and Irv have unfortunately come to the office to break the news that they can no longer afford Tim and Sam services and Tim and Sam find very different wrong ways to respond in clip one. Please don't do this. I will get revenge on you. Are you threatening me? We're going to bury you in your crap store. Please take us back. We can change. Oh, when we're done with you, people are going to laugh when they hear the name Smith's Baby and Teen Kid Furniture. (laughs) They'll laugh. Let's go, Doris. Yeah, go. Go on. Get out of here. Who needs you? Please don't do this, Irv. I'm sorry. We've made our decision. Good. Okay, great. Good riddance. We'll see you guys around, okay? Goodbye, boys. Yeah, goodbye. I hope the elevator falls as you get in and chops you in half. <laughs> Love Sam's little uh, chuckle at the end. Sam and Tim are inspired to replace the Smiths' business and spite them by going after Smile and Jack, another local furniture merchant whose open mouthed face has been vandalized with dicks on every one of his billboards. <laughs> They take him out for, unfortunately, this can't be captured on an audio format, but there you see a lot of different takes on dicks. They take him out for lunch and apparently arrive thirsty, as we hear in clip two. Can I start you gentlemen with something to drink? Oh, here we go. Oh, I'm good with just water. You sure? The bar is everything. Oh, no, no, thanks. No, I don't drink. Do you mind if we drink? No, 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 of course not. Oh. <laughs> so, like, I almost started to Oh, my God. I crap my pants. Yeah, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, what am I going to do have a double bourbon in the burners. I have a giant glass boot filled with beer. I'm sorry. We don't have that. Well, then your bar doesn't have everything. Sam. <laughs> Then they make Smile and Jack drive their drunk asses by Smith's baby and teen kid furniture to burn a bridge and can't even do that right in clip three. It's the premier adult furniture store in town. And not porno furniture. He doesn't mean that. No, I mean furniture for adults. The big time. The show. We met at a conference once. Yes, of course. Jack, how's your mother, dear? How's her hip? It's really nice of you to remember. She's back on her feet again, just trying to keep those damn squirrels out of her bird feeder. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring a smiling guy on a vengeance trip, guys. Uh, so point number two, it also shows us Tim and Sam can be good at their jobs as well, like when they make their pitch to Smile and Jack in clip four. How you feeling? I'm in the sweet spot. Not too drunk, not too sober. Me too, baby. Let's go in for the kill. You got it, baby. Jack! 
You're known all over town as the guy with a dick in his mouth. I, well, it's not just dicks. No, no. it's not. It's not. No. I've seen boobs. Yes. I've seen poop. I have too. <laughs> I've seen a butt pooping boobs. <laughs> yep. I've seen Andre the Giant. I've seen that. Don't get it, but I've seen it. <laughs> and, and let's not forget about the, the speech bubbles. Yep. Yep. You know, I'm hungry for turds. That's right, by my church. <laughs> I'm thirsty for dongs. <laughs> Feed me wieners. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you think it's just one guy? No, Jack. So they force Jack to confront the harsh reality of his current marketing challenges and convince him to let them rebrand him with a TV ad. And with, it must be said, an assist by another restaurant patron taking a creep shot of Jack and using a breadstick and dinner rolls to improvise balls. Just some <laughs> rando? No, as we see when Tim slides him a bill under the table. Nice work, boys. Point three, it makes good use of its guest stars. Over the course of the season, we see such comedy all-stars as Jason Sudeikis, who's also a producer on the show, Amber Ruffin of Late Night with Seth Meyers, Oba, Baba Tunde, George Wallace, and many more. Here, our guest star is Detroit's own Keegan-Michael Key of Key & Peele. The centerpiece of the episode is an unaudio clippable montage of Jack getting way too freaked out around four dozen times by the guy in his commercial <laughs> who's hammering home that shoppers will go ape over smiling Jack's prices by jumping out at him in an ape suit. As you can imagine, if you've seen Key on Key and Peel, you know he finds a unique, terrified take for each time his ape-suited scene partner startles him. Okay, fine. Here's a few. Clip five. <laughs> Smiling Jack, take three. My prices are so low, you'll go ape. No, don't. Take four. My prices are so low that you'll go ape. <laughs> 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 Smile and Jack Furniture, take 17. Ape. It is not a real ape. 37. You'll go ape. Take 42. You'll go ape. <laughs> Cut. Guys, that's a natural reaction. <laughs> Come on, Jack. Get it together! <laughs> <laughs> One of those moments that goes from funny to unfunny, back around to funny, thanks to King and Michael Key's inventiveness and commitment. God bless and keep him. Number four, it has heart, even if that heart is a little weird. So when Irv and Doris show up at the office, the warmth of their relationship to the guys is established for the viewer when Sam gives Doris a huge hug that goes on just slightly too long, yet is, judging by the reactions of everyone else in the scene, not unusual for them. This friendliness and maybe more is what makes it so heartbreaking when Irv and Doris reveal that they've come to dump Cramblin and Duvet. Later, Tim and Sam are truly remorseful when Jack's terrible performance at a TV commercial shoot, uh, at the TV commercial shoot, sorry, runs so long they're forced to miss their friend Donut's stand-up show. This is a particularly tragic scheduling conflict given that Donut's act seems to be based entirely on having Tim in the front row so he can roast him as a stand-in for all nerdy white guys who marry black women. I mean, yes, they should have been there, but write some new material, Donut. The two sweet storylines come together when Sam and Tim part ways of Smile and Jack, reunite with Irvin Doris, and bring their elderly white clients to Donut's next show in Clip 6. You know what drives me crazy is nerdy white guys that marry black women. Am I right? <laughs> Look at this nerdy white guy right here. Oh, his black wife cook him collard greens. He's like, oh, thank you for the green beans. <laughs> His wedding day, he was like, I do. His wedding night, he was like, uh, amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was your first dance? The Macarena. 
<laughs> oh, dumbass white boy. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> oh, shit. It's too old, white people. Oh. Did somebody tell me what the Titanic was like? Donut. <laughs> Donut. Anyway, the point is that the show lets Sam and Tim be genuinely emotional in their relationships, and though it is often funny, their vulnerability is not the joke. And number five, it shows us the best of Detroit. There are other episodes that find more picturesque locations to shoot in. The one in which Sam dates a local politician finds him at the Detroit Museum of Contemporary Art for a gala, for example. And others show us a pop-up park downtown, handsome early 20th century houses, cool bars, basically none of the places you're going to read about in stories about Detroit's bankruptcy or urban blight. In this episode, Tim and Sam bring Smile and Jack to an elegant restaurant at the top of a skyscraper with a beautiful view of the skyline. It's a moment that reminds us that the people who make this show set it in Detroit because they love it and they want us to love it too. Detroiters is a deeply silly show, and this is a deeply silly episode that, I hope, makes you understand why you need to get on board. Stephanie, you picked this from our list of submissions. Please start us off. Okay. Well, I love the show. I've talked about it before on Extra Hot Great. Um, I am from the Detroit area, and therefore I feel like as a, you know, as a Michigander and as a, you know, Detroit metro area, or I am obligated to like it, but I genuinely just do love it. I feel like... Sam and Tim are the best. Their chemistry is awesome. All, as you said, all the side characters and guest stars are so delicious. Um, like their secretary, Sheila, literally all of their <laughs> clients, <laughs> Smile and Jack, Donut, all the people who work with them. I mean, everyone on the show is great. Um, and this episode uh, just made me laugh so hard. I started actually laughing out loud like full laughs about three minutes in when <laughs> I didn't ask for a clip of this, but I mean, I just am reading in my notes um, uh, when Tim is saying he's mad because Irv and Doris uh, just dropped him, uh, dropped them as clients. And he said, I wouldn't take them back if Irv pleasured me orally. <laughs> and, uh, and then Sam's like, you keep saying that. And it's because he's looking at the giant billboard of um, Keegan, Michael Key, smiling Jack uh, with, um, oopsie and graffiti on it uh just i mean little <laughs> little lines the visual gags are great um i love how unprofessional sam and tim are there it makes sense that they're not successful and yet you want them to succeed you know <laughs> i just love them i love the show and i love this episode it, it really really made me laugh um the only thing i have to consider is whether the quantity of detroit specific references was High enough. I only counted three. Um, I, I don't. We did get Mort Krim and we did get Verners. Verners, so yeah. That. And then when they're at the bar, um, they order two Downrivers. Um, and Downriver is, it refers to like the pretty crappy suburbs that are south of Detroit along the Detroit River. So like oh, okay. um, the northern suburbs are generally considered nicer and the southern ones are like, there's one called Taylor and people call it Taylor Tucky. Like, you know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, so if you say like, oh, downriver, it's kind of a pejorative, but that is actually what the area is called. And it's just kind of funny that the drink they ordered was called a downriver. So those nice. were the references that I picked up on. 
Yes, I feel a little close to Detroit because when I lived in Regina, hold for giggles, our our cable network, uh, where the it was all the local affiliates from Detroit. So I know some Detroit things, including Mort Cram, the real Detroit anchor who is cameos on the show occasionally. Yes, he's awesome. I don't have a lot to say beyond what Tara says. We have very uh, similar opinions about the show. Very funny. We also talked it up when it first came on to get people on board. Uh, what I like about this show is no matter whether the characters are in, uh, happy or sad, mad or whatever, there is a certain enthusiasm and joyfulness in all of that that they always send out. That attitude is sort of infectious and and it is what anchors this show and it is a large part of why I love this. Also, the humor in it is absurdist, and that appeals to me. Um, obviously, being a podcast, we can't show you all the visuals of the billboards, but they're very <laughs> funny, including the one where he's got his mouth open and the train is going in it. Elevated train <laughs> yeah. with the dick on it drives into the side of the billboard. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really funny show. I don't know if that ape clip really did it justice it really goes on um, for a long time i know i had to keep them to the one that had the most audio in it including to like him walking up to the crappy little crafty table and there's like a beat and then he's like ah! oh god it's so good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um this has everything that uh would appeal to buncy uh dick graffiti humor um, Keegan Michael Key, my birthday mate, uh, in a montage of shrieking that was flawless and flawlessly <laughs> described by Tara. Um, the say it meaner, see it, Doris. Uh, and also, like, the, some of the best things about this episode you really can't clip. And the other one that has not been mentioned by anyone is um, Sam's frequent slow burns, sort of at the side of a shot or in the background. Like when uh, Irv and Doris say that they're pulling the account, the slow melt into a rock hard glare from yeah. a happy <laughs> smile after the hug was really good. And then when um, when Tim's wife is at, like, they clearly hate each other, Tim's wife and Sam and uh, their brother and sister. Their oh, brother okay. and sister. So, I did not realize that. Uh, so she's <laughs> like, no one cares if you come to this show and like is just talking to Tim. And then Sam is sort of in the background of the shot, like just glaring into the middle distance. And <laughs> I just could not stop laughing. I replayed the montage of shrieking like three times and was crying <laughs> laughing. And then Doris's little weird fanfic about the inflatable <laughs> tweens. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But as you guys said, it was that perfect, like, it, it went through, like, not funny anymore, super uncomfortable, background to funny. I definitely wanted to watch more of the show, which, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, is a key component of my canon judgments for shows that I have not watched. So I really enjoyed getting to know the show, and I wanted to watch more. All right. Shall we put it to a vote? Sure. sure. All right. Stephanie, what say you? Yay. Sarah D. Bunting. Big yay for me. I will also say yay. Yay! Okay, Detroiters, Season 1, Episode 7, Smiling Jack. You are hereby inducted into the Extra Agri Cannon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. Tar has our winner. 
Well, speaking of Key and Peel, our winner is Peel. In addition to having a best picture contender out this year in Get Out, which, by the way, just uh, premiered on HBO last week. But if you can afford to buy it on iTunes, do that because uh, that's the widescreen version and HBO's is like slightly pan and scan, which seriously, HBO, what the fuck? Anyway... <laughs> That's not why he's the winner of the week. He has been tapped to uh, do a remake of The Twilight Zone for CBS All Access, and I could not be more here for it. Get Out was amazing. It was such a proof of concept for why he should be doing a show like this. So, yay. Good news. And loser of the week. Speaking of Get Out, uh, our loser is Band <laughs> Men. Here is a short list. Jeremy Piven, accused of harassment, yanked from his late show appearance on his own network. Wisdom of the crowd on brink of cancellation since the ratings suck and so does he. Danny Masterson, accused of rape by four women, tackled and put in protective tech by Scientology, presumably, allegedly, don't fucking sue me. And now he's on blast thanks to Leah Remini and his accusers. Kevin Spacey is out at House of Cards, out at his agency, basically fired by his PR flack and the Gore Vidal biopic that I was actually looking forward to has been scuttled indefinitely. And finally, Harvey the Hutt Weinstein, whom the NYPD says on not even that deep background, they are close to formally charging with sexual assault. All y'all eat bees, eat a bunch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, speak about eating bees, you know what time it is? <laughs> B time? B time. <laughs> All right, guys, this is uh first game of the new season, right? Yes. Yes. Today we are playing Odd Man Out from Dan Casino. Oh, no, I forgot the clip. <laughs> AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet. And I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad. So let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W dot com and use promo code E-H-G for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. Who earns himself an extra credit redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic 
of his choosing. Dan writes, a great cast doesn't necessarily make for a great show. In this game, you'll be given the description of a quickly canceled network series, as well as three actors, but only two of the listed actors were actually on the show. Your job is to identify which of the listed actors is the odd man out. All right. Okay. There are 17 questions for each player. Let's throw it to Picky to see who's going first. We will start with Sarah. All right. So our order is Tara, Sarah, Stephanie. Are we ready to play Odd Man Out? Yes. I'll just say value guests have two steel meals. Okay, Stephanie. So you got two steel meals at your disposal. We also have three Grossworth Equalizer Challenge score breaks to attempt to get points back. Here we go. And here's the little twist. I'm going to let you guess the name of the show from the description. If you can do that. You'll get two extra points. Whoa. All right. Okay. So, Sarah, 1993 NBC attempt to do Friday Night Lights. Now, these are all very short lived shows. Okay. So, if you can get these, you know, you're, you're going to earn those two points. Okay. So, do you know what that is? Uh, Football Night in America? No. Okay. It is a show called Against the Grain. Oh. Here are your three actors. Tell me which one wasn't on the show. Against the Grain, 1993, NBC attempt to do Friday Night Lights, Ben Affleck, Denise Richards, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Wow. Oh, boy. Um, It's also plausible. I know. I believe Philip Seymour Hoffman is the odd man out. Nice. One point. All right. To Tara, right? Yes. Nope. To Stephanie. To Stephanie. You sure? I thought I was going last. Well, that's what I remember. Okay, I'll yeah. switch it then. Okay, to me. That is what I said, Tara. Sorry. This second. 1988, David Chase created NBC drama about a divorcing couple reminiscing about how they fell in love. Emmy nominated, but only lasted 10 episodes. Hmm. Don't know. Okay, that is called Almost Grown. Your actors are Edie Falco, uh, Tim Daly, and uh, Marsha Cross. I'm going to say Edie Falco is the odd man out because it feels like it's trying to make me think that because of the David Chase connection. Yay! Correct. All right, everybody's got <clears throat> one point so far in the game. Stephanie, can you get one point for this poorly timed... 2007 ABC drama about the complicated lives of CEOs. Oof. I don't know what it would be called. Yeah. Uh, that's called hmm. Big Shots. Your actors are Dylan McDermott, John Francis Daly, Joshua Molina. Ugh. Who's the odd man out? Daly. Correct. Hey. We're all tied one apiece. Back to Sarah, 2002 CBS sitcom about an aspiring writer who finds out her biological father is a famous novelist. Sperm donor. Don't know. Any idea? (laughs) That's called Bram and Alice. Your actors are Alfred Molina, Betty White, Roger Bart. I don't think Betty White was on this. I think she's the odd man out. Nice. Tara. 1989 AB sitcom about a Jewish man dating a Catholic 
Irish Catholic woman hilarity ensued for eight episodes. What year? 1989. <laughs> uh, no idea. And this is called Chicken Soup. Okay. Your actors are <laughs> Jackie Mason, uh-huh. Jane Curtin, yep. Lynn Redgrave. Uh, Jackie Mason's the odd one out. No, <laughs> oh, Jane Curtin was not in it. Chicken Soup. Chicken Bad. Soup. 1998, Stephanie, NBC quasi spinoff of Caroline in a City about a copywriter dealing with the women in his life while looking for oh, love. I don't know. This is Conrad Bloom. Your actors are Adam Ferreira, Lauren Graham, Mark Furstein. Feuerstein. Feuerstein? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you laugh it up, Fuzzball. Um, All right. Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Feuerstein. <laughs> no, he was in it. Adam Ferreira is your odd man out. All right. In 2006, CBS retooling of a British sitcom about an attorney trying to find love in the big city. Singles. It's courting Alex, uh. Hugh Bonneville, Jenna Elfman, Kevin Sorbo. Oh, I think Bonneville's the odd one out. Nope, he was in it. Kevin Sorbo, your Hercules, Uh, is the odd man out. 2006 ABC sitcom about a gay screenwriter who moves home to help his previously institutionalized mother. That sounds pretty funny. Uh, pranking the monkey. No, it's not that. It's It's called Crumbs. Crumbs. Crumbs? Okay. Okay. Dabby Coleman, yep. Fred Savage, yep. Jane Curtin. Oh my God, Curtin again. Uh, I'll say Dabby Coleman is the odd man out. Okay. Nice, correct. All right, here's one that I actually recognize. So you got okay. that going for you. 2006 ABC hour long about a detective who relives the day he's framed for murder, Groundhog Day style. Flashback. Hmm. Oh, it's yeah. Daybreak. Your actors are Adam Baldwin, Hector Elizondo, Tay Diggs. Hector Elizondo. Yes, nice. the odd man out. <clears throat> 2004 CBS drama about a doctor living and working in a Vegas casino. <laughs> uh, high score. No idea. No. <laughs> Dr. Vegas. <laughs> Fuck. Amy Adams, John Hamm, Rob Lowe. I think Amy Adams is the odd man out. Oh, oh Amy Adams, Amy Adams, and Rob Lowe were in this. John uh, Hamm, odd man right. out. Mm. Two thousand and one CBS drama starring Richard Dreyfus as a professor at a all women's college in New Jersey, oh, whose life is turned upside down fuck. when his daughter enrolls at the school. <laughs> Ugh. I remember this one. He you know has the title. A, I don't remember what it's called. Okay, the title is called The Education of Max Max Bickford. Bickford. Is that it? Yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, got <laughs> the last syllable. No, no points. I know. Uh, Katie Sackoff. Yep. Marsha Gay Harden. Mm-hmm. Timothy Omenson. I'm going to say 
Katie Sackhoff is the odd man out. Mm. Shit. It's Timothy Oddmanson. Okay. Oddmanson, his um, pants. Oddmanson. <laughs> Oddmanson, his pants. All right. Here's another one I recognize. So okay. get ready, Stephanie. 2008 ABC drama about a lung, lung, a young lawyer, a <laughs> lung lawyer, he specializes in cigarette cases, experiencing vivid hallucinations that might be signs from above. I'll read that again for you. 2008 ABC drama about a young lawyer experiencing vivid hallucinations that might be signs from above. No idea. Okay, that is called Eli Stone. Yes! <laughs> Johnny Lee Miller, Joshua Jackson, Victor Garber. Ooh. Who's your odd Joshua man out? Jackson? Correct. Nice. nice. You guys are really good at the odd man out part. All right. Uh, 1986 CBS sitcom based. Okay, here's one where we can actually maybe get some points. Based on Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which had Moon Unit Zappa as the teen consultant. <laughs> Uh, I think it was just called Fast Times. Correct. Two points. Now, for an extra point, who's the odd man out? Courtney Thorne Smith, Jane Krakowski, Patrick Dempsey. Oh, Krakowski. Correct. Hey. Well done. We actually linked to this in, uh, back when I used to do lunch at a show or, um, Oh, yeah. Let's go to the videotape. Right. Yeah. Oh, Dempsey. First. Ready? Yep. Uh, short-lived 2002 CBS drama about the Supreme Court. Oh, man. Here's a hint. Yeah. Show is weirdly part of the JAG NCIS universe with characters crossing over between the shows. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just called The Court. Mm. Shit. It's, not, it's called First Monday. Oh, okay. Your actors are Alfred Molina, yep. James Gardner, mm -hmm. Joe Mantegna. James Garner? Gardner, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that your guess or you just. No. Did I'm I say just correcting your pronunciation. Got it. Uh, Gardner. Gardner. I think the odd man out is Molina. Molina? Yeah. Hey. hey! All right, here's our uh, 15th question going into the score break. Short-lived 2002 ABC drama about the Supreme Court. Uh-huh. Was Stephanie paying attention? Uh, What's that show called? Well, I kind of want to steal that answer that um, Tara just gave. The court. Hey! <laughs> Thanks, Tara. <laughs> You're Your welcome. actors are Christina Hendricks, Oliver Platt, Sally Field. I'm going to say Christina Hendricks. Is that man out? Mm, she was in it. Oliver Platt was not. All right, score break, please. Okay, I have Stephanie and Sarah tied with five each, me and behind them with three. All right, Ooh. so that means Tara. Come on, Tara! You are in the Kristen Grossworth Equalizer Challenge Zone. Yep. Answer one half of these TV Trivial Pursuit questions right, and you'll get uh, two points, I guess. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Yep. What, this is classics, mm -hmm. what home 
Oh, sorry. I already read that one. Wrong side of the box. Here we go. Classics. What family's home featured a bear rug that growled and a wolverine cuckoo clock? Um, the Flintstones? The Adams Family. Oh, uh, okay. Sitcoms. What three Newhart characters were close personal friends of Johnny Carson? Um, Larry, his brother Daryl, and his other brother Daryl? Okay. <laughs> Drama. What hospital's chief of staff was Dr. Donald Westfall? Uh, St. Elsewhere. St. Allegis. Yes. Just got it under the wire there. Kids and games. How many stagehands are needed to manually operate the $20,000 $20, pyramids? Pyramid. Mm, three. Mm, two. Dang. Two, Tara. It took two, <laughs> two slaves to build that pyramid. Oh. What former... Mary Tyler Moore regular oh I see what former Mary Tyler Moore show regular uh-huh. saw his own show canceled after he ripped US foreign policy the actor yes. Act- uh, Ed Asner Yay! all right shits and giggles this is wild card what critically acclaimed 1980 cop show was the lowest rated NBC series ever renewed Hill Street Blues. Correct. Eh. All right. So that gives you two extra points. Good job, Tara. And we're back to the game to Sarah. Thank you. All right. Here's another one I recognize from the 12 days. 1999 Fox drama about parenting. Oh, sorry. 1999 Fox drama about parents facing midlife crises and children facing teen angst. Do you remember this incredibly uh. generic title? <laughs> yeah. Get a life? Ah, no, it's called so Get close. Real. Oh. Bonnie Bedelia, Anne Hathaway, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, I believe the Bedelia is the Bedad man out. <laughs> Correct. Number 17. Extra Tara point for the style on that spread one. Eagle. Yes, Spread Eagle. <clears throat> Yes, yes, Spread Eagle, 2002 CBS drama about an ex-cop turned cab driver turned vigilante. Hack! God damn it. Nice! It is hack. That's worth two points. Here are your uh, actors. Andre Brower, George Dezunza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taraji P. Henson. Uh, I think Taraji is the odd man out. And you are correct. Three points there. Wow. Come back. 2003 NBC sitcom about empty nesters who can't seem to get rid of their children. Hmm. Um. I don't know. All right. That's Happy Family. Okay. Christine Baranski, John Larroquette, Kaylee Kuoku. Uh, I'm going to say John Larroquette. Thought me out. No, it Mm. is... Cuoco. Oh. Cuoco. Is yeah. that how you say it? Cuoco. Yeah, Cuoco. Cuoco. Continuing with ones Dave's he- heard of, 1999 <laughs> Fox sci-fi about people trapped in a VR world that lasted three episodes. I believe... Virtuosity? No, that's a movie. I understand that. <laughs> okay, you're. That's called Harsh Realm. Remember Harsh Realm? Oh, oh yeah! 
<laughs> that shit. Oh, man. D.B. D. B. Sweeney, Peter Coyote, Terry O'Quinn. Oof. Oh. And I'm pretty sure the Sweens was in it. Oh, who was the odd man out? Let's say Coyote. Correct. Nice. Number 20, 1987 ABC sitcom about a single father who married his housekeeper to prevent her from being deported. Oh. Mm, what year? 1987. Uh, I married Dora? Shit! Yes. <laughs> Wow. That's the that's the show with the ending that's like we got canceled, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. Elizabeth I thought that was earlier though. That oh. was just the only one I could think of. Elizabeth wow. Pena. Yep. Juliette Lewis, Lou Diamond mm-hmm. Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips. He is the odd man out. 2006 ABC drama produced by Michelle and Robert King about lawyers working pro bono to overturn <laughs> wrongful convictions. Hmm. I think there's a porn star out there called Pro Bono. God, I hope so. Uh, the Good Fight doesn't work for free though. Mm. That show was called Injustice. In mm. Justice. Oh boy. Yeah. Jason O'Mara, <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin, uh, Matthew Good. Oh, God. I'm gonna say Matthew Good. You would be correct. Nice. 2002. Yeah. NBC sitcom about a man clashing with his wife's parents after moving into their home. <sighs> the in-laws. Correct. <laughs> Thank you, generic okay. titling. It's actually called in-laws, but we'll give that to you. Andy Richter, hey. Richter Dennis Farina, Gene Smart. I believe Farina is the odd man out. He was in it. Andy Richter is the odd man out. Oh. Too bad. 1999 CBS sitcom about a man who lives with a lot of women. (laughs) Is it just the 10 of us? Ladies man. Alfred Molina. Betty White. (laughs) Tony Danza. Note, best, re- best remembered for a Golden Girls reunion episode. Okay, oh. well, so probably Betty White is not the odd man out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Molina. He was in it. Shit. Ladies man did not have Tony Danza. Hmm. Yeah. Does seem kind of Danza-y, though. <laughs> yeah. 2001 CBS drama about a social worker in Santa Monica played by Mary Stuart Masterson that lasted six episodes. Mm, I don't know. Kate Brasher. Okay. Kate Brasher. Oh, yeah. Gary Cole, Hector Elizondo, Rhea Perlman. Mm, I'll say Gary Cole. You would be correct. Nice. 1997 ABC procedural based in the L.A. coroner's office. Well, let's go with these easy titles. The Morgue. <laughs> That's Leaving L.A. Your actors, ah. uh, Law & Order alum, Christopher Maloney, Hillary Swank, and uh, what did I call her a few episodes? Maura Tierney? What did I call her? My attorney. I don't remember. My attorney. My attorney. <laughs> <laughs> 
who were the first two uh, again? Chris Maloney. Maloney and Hillary Swank. Uh, Maloney's the odd one out. He is not. It's my attorney. Oh. Short-lived 2004 UPN legal drama. Is this just legal? Mm. Damn it! This is Kevin Hill. Oh, Kevin Hill. Oh, sure. yeah. This is uh, your actors are Carla Gugino. Gugino, uh huh. Christina Hendricks, Tay Diggs. Oh. I know it's not Diggs. He was Kevin Hill. Uh, Gugino. Oh shit! He's the odd man out. Hey. Correct. Nice. Mm. Oh my god. 2006 CBS dramedy about a music scout who's fired from a major label and has to rebuild his life. Mm-hmm. Independent. It just came up on the Who Weekly podcast last week. Huh. Okay. My guess was it's called Independent. It is not. It is called no. Love Monkey. No. <laughs> yep. Your oh. actors are Jason Lee, Jason Priestley, Tom Cavanaugh. I love Tom Cavanaugh. Um, Jason Priestley. He was in it. Jason Lee was not. Uh, oh, here's one I recognize. 2006, Darren Starr created NBC dramedy about a matchmaker who's also a divorce attorney. Oh. Uh, this match? Yes! I was about to say shout out Dan McEachern, but then I thought uh-huh. I'd give <clears throat> Alicia Silverstone, Dylan Baker, Ryan O'Neill. Who's the odd man out? Baker. Correct. Another three right pointer for Bunsey. Good job. <laughs> 2007 Fox action show about an illicit cross country road race. Fast lane. Mm. No. Good guess, but it's not that one. The other oh. one. Cindy. Uh, this is Drive. Cindy Lauper. Emma Stone. Yep. Nathan Fillion. Emma Stone. Cindy Lauper was not in drive. All right. Here's question 30. Bring us into our second score break. Also one Dave's heard of 2011 ABC sitcom about the manager of an arena in San Diego. Mm, I don't know. That is Mr. Sunshine. Your actors, Allison Janney, Matthew Perry, Portia de Rossi. I know Matthew Perry was in it. Uh, I'm going to say Portia de Rossi. You would be correct. Nice. And score break, please. Okay, now Sarah and I are tied with 12 each. Stephanie has eight. Still a very close game. All right, you can get up to 10 points with this one, Stephanie. Okay. Classics. What sharpshooting 50s series was the first Western to star a woman? Gunsmoke? That would be Annie Oakley. Mm. Who once warned Time and Ed wait for no man? I don't know. This is a sitcom question. Who once warned Time and Ed wait for no man? Um... I, I honestly, I don't know. That's Mr. Ed. Drama. Oh. <laughs> I tried to feed it to you. Uh, what TV cop calls the King Edward Hotel home? 
Um, Barney Miller. TV cup. <clears throat> Beretta. All right, so you need all of these. What network was responsible for airing the cartoon series Fred and Barney Meet the Schmoo? What? <laughs> all right, what uh, network? One in three chance, probably. Yeah, one in three chance. ABC. Mm. NBC. All right. Yeah. Oh, what mamas gosh. and the papas vet played Princess Naya the mermaid on Fantasy Island? Mamas and the papas vet. Which oh, one? I'm a Cass. Um, <laughs> nope, isn't it? <laughs> uh, mm. Michelle Phillips. I was going to say Gilbert Michelle and Phillips. <laughs> what Gilbert and Sullivan opus was the first operetta to be televised? Sorry, can you repeat that? What Gilbert and Sullivan opus was the first operetta to be televised? Oh, God. The Mikado? Pirates of Pizzazz. You got nothing, nothing. I got to take away two points. No, I'm not. I'm not. not. For a break. (laughs) My daughter has pink eye. (laughs) Okay. Back to it. 31. 1990 CBS sitcom about a news anchor who relocates to a small town in Wisconsin. Who's is this? What was the year? 1990. Is this mine? Uh, oh, no. Sorry. No, no, this is Sarah. Just making sure. Cheeseheads. This is American Dreamer, Jeffrey Tambor, Rip Torn, Robert Urich. Uh, I've been out is Tambor. Oh, Rip Torn. Rip Torn. Oh. Oh, here's one I've heard of. 2003 NBC legal drama about the conspiracies inside a big law firm. The firm? Mm. Oh! This is The Lion's oh. Den. The Lion's oh. Den. The show Roblo left West Wing for. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, Kyle yep. Chandler, and of course, Roblo. Yep. Uh... Dan Aykroyd is the man. Is the odd man out, yeah. Nice. 2000 Fox sitcom about a gay man who returns to his hometown in the Midwest. Sounds very similar to another one where a gay man returned to take care of his mother. Um, I don't know. Um, You're never going to get it. This is Normal Ohio. Normal okay. Ohio. Your actors, Carol Kane, Jolie Fisher, John Goodman. I'm going to say Carol Kane. Yes, you would be correct. Nice. 1991 CBS sitcom about three women sharing a New York apartment. <sighs> three on a match. <clears throat> Princesses. Fran Drescher, Juliana Margulies, and Twiggy. Which one's the odd man out? Drescher. Margulies. Margulies was not ah. in that one. 1999. Uh, who's is this? Me. Okay. Sarah. Uh, sorry. 19, sorry. 1998. ABC sitcom about three divorced men who start dating again. Hmm, do not know. Secret Lives of Men. Bradley <laughs> Whitford. This is. <laughs> Bradley Whitford. Jeffrey Tambor, Peter Gallagher. Ooh. <sighs> Gallagher? 
is mm-hmm. out. Uh, Jeffrey Tamper. Rat. All right. Stephanie. Mm-hmm. 1998 WB series about a tech CEO who returns to his hometown. God. <laughs> I don't and know. And is gay. Oh, yeah. So gay. Uh, <laughs> Hyperion <laughs> Bay, Carmen oh, Electra, sure. Carmen Electra, Christana Loken, Paul Mark Goslar. Oh. Um. Hmm. The, whatever the middle one was, I'll say was the odd man out. <laughs> Chris Middle Chris Anna Loken wasn't she was she the Terminator in one of the yeah she was yeah. the lady Terminator the Terminatress all right uh Sarah yeah oh okay get ready I, I feel like this is another three-pointer for you 1999 oh, WB please 1999 WB show about New Mexico teenagers who might be <laughs> aliens Wait, not short-lived, though? Okay. I believe that this is Roswell. Yes. Colin Hanks, hey. Emily Van Camp, Catherine Heigl. Oh, Van Camp is the odd man out. She is. She well is. done. All right. 1999 NBC Multicam about a practical joke-obsessed author and his phobia-ridden editor. Oh, God. I remember the stars, but I don't remember who was what it was called. I don't remember. All right. It is called Stark Raving Mad. Yeah, it was. Neil Patrick Harris, (laughs) Ray Wise, Tony Shalhoub. Ray Wise is the odd man out. He is the odd man out. 2005 WB series about a washed up lawyer who teams up with a young wunderkind. 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 Wunder, I don't know. Wunderkin. This is just legal. Remember just yeah. legal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don Johnson. Jay Baruchel. I think that's right. John Slattery. Ooh, I'm going to say. What year is this? 2005. Hmm. Johnson oh. Baruchel Slattery. I'm going to say Don Johnson. Mm, oh, slattery. It was either slattery him or Slattery. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Recent 2014 NBC drama about a CIA analyst who briefs the president on threats to the United States. Uh, the analyst. Yeah. I don't know. These are good guesses. I mean, <laughs> state of affairs. I mean, it's not that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Alfrey Woodard, Catherine Heigl, Matt Zuckery. And I looked it up. <laughs> That's uh, C-Z-U-C-H-R-Y. She knows who he is. I'm just, uh, yeah, okay, I but do. you know what, Tara? Other people yeah. are listening in. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So Way to look it up, Dave. Good job. It. Fine. Sh- could I answer? Yeah. Or are you guys still? Okay. Um, I believe that Heigl is the odd man out. You are incorrect. It's Zuckery. Ah, and after you looked it up too. C Z U C H R Y. That's Matt Zuckery. Two thousand CBS dramedy about an Italian American family in northern New Jersey. Oh, brother! No, it's what if it was called Oh, brother? 
<laughs> what was the year? 2000. Uh, <laughs> Jabronis. Right, yeah, I had one. a guess, but it's from like when I was in high school. So that's I don't know. life. That's uh, life. That's life. Ellen Burnson, uh-huh. Michelle Monaghan, Paul yep. Servino. I'm oh god, Burston. Monaghan. Shit. Monaghan. 2006 CBS sitcom following the intersecting lives of people who went to elementary school together. Hmm. I don't know. This is the class. Okay. Oh yeah. Who was not in the class? Jesse Tyler <laughs> Ferguson, Jordan Peele, Lizzie Kaplan. Jordan Peele. You are correct. <laughs> 2004 ABC legal drama about a politically ambitious DA. The DA. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) J.K. Simmons, Keegan-Michael Key, not uh, Michael Keegan-Key, and Stephen Weber. Who's the odd man out? Oh, who's the the first guy? Simmons? J.K. Simmons, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Simmons, Key, Weber. Weber's always in this kind of shit, so I'm going to say Simmons is the odd man out. No. <clears throat> Keegan-Michael Key was not in the deal. Ah, uh, good for him. Mm. 1990, NBC sitcom about a stereotypically Italian-American family running a funeral home. <laughs> Year for this one? Should have been called Forget About Him, but uh, <laughs> uh-huh. 1990. Is this, this isn't right, but is it the Finelli Boys? Oh. My. God. <laughs> what? That's awesome. That was the one I was thinking of the last oh question. Oh, God. My sister Why? and I had a huge fight during an episode of this ep- of this show. <laughs> God only knows while we were watching it because her hamster died. She felt I was not appropriately um, <laughs> mournful about it, and she went and tattled on me. Wow. Who will fight me? It's a true story. It's in my diary. That's why I remember. Wow. Amazing. All right. Christopher Maloney, Debbie Mazar, Joey Pants. I'm going to say Mazar is the odd one out. Yeah, is good for a full three points. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Yeah. All right. Score break time after this question. 2001 NBC sitcom about a stereotypically Irish American family. (laughs) Jesus. Um, I want to say, like, the O'Leary's. Yeah, you're not far off. This is the Fighting Fitzgeralds. Jesus. And your actors are Brian Dennehy, Mm. Connie Britton, Sarah Rue. I feel like Connie Britton was not in that. Indeed, she Uh, was in it. Sarah Sarah Rue was not. Mm. Yeah. All right. Score break, please. Okay. Sarah and I are all tied up with 17 each. Stephanie has 11. All right, everybody has two questions left, but before that, it's time for Stephanie to redeem herself in the Grossworth Kristen Equalizer Challenge Zone Classics. What future kids show host was first hired by NBC as a page boy in 1950? Oh my god. <laughs> You're never going to get this. Oh, I mean, I'm, you might. I'm doing the math. Um, it won't help. Fred Rogers? No. Bob Keyshawn. 
Bob Keesham. It's Captain you know Kangaroo, guy? and I could have gotten Oh, Captain I was going to say Captain Kangaroo, but I didn't know his name. <laughs> okay. I would have accepted Captain Kangaroo if I knew that. Well, All right, well that makes more sense. Sorry. I apologize, Trivial Pursuit. What 50s comedy star insisted his age was 39? This is a sitcom question. In the what 50s? 50s comedy star? Desi Arnaz. Insisted... Jack Benny. Mm. Who was the first soap opera character to undergo a legal abortion? Um, I've never watched even one second of a soap opera, so I don't know. This is Erica Kane. I was okay. I should have known that. Kids one. and Games. What game show returned in syndication in 1986 with John Davidson as host? I know this. Do yes, I? Um, do. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> No, I, I know this. I, oh. For some reason, I, I this is one of my favorite shows. Uh, that's Hollywood Squares. Hollywood okay. Squares. All right, I'll put you out of misery. Let's get back to the game. Everybody's got two questions left. Is that correct? One, two, three. Yes, two questions, okay. starting with uh, Sarah, right? Yes. Yep. 1993 CBS sitcom about a man who returns home 10 years after being dragged off by baboons and presumed dead. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> 1993 CBS, uh, CBS sitcom about a man who returns t- home 10 years later after being dragged off by baboons and presumed dead. It's a jungle out there. <laughs> the Trouble with Larry. <laughs> sure. Starring Bronson Pinchot, Courtney Cox, Sarah Paulson. <sighs> Sarah Paulson. Yes. Correct hey. for a point. 1985 NBC sitcom about a San Francisco legal aid office. Uh, suddenly, Susan, I know that's not right. <laughs> it's not right. It is Sarah without an H. Your actors, Bill Maher, Gina Davis, Rue McC- McClanahan. Um, Rue McClanahan. You are correct. Oh, shit. Keeping the game even. Oh, my God. Stephanie, 2004 WB sitcom about the wacky servants of a spoiled family. I don't know. Uh, This is. Oh, so close. The help. Oh, God. Antonio Sabato Jr., Heidi Klum, Megan Fox. Mm, (laughs) Megan Fox? No, Heidi Klum, odd man out. All right, Sarah. You ready? 1997 CBS sitcom starring Bob Newhart as a father who has to get along with his daughter-in-law's family in Martha's Vineyard. (sighs) No man is an island? No, this is George and Leo. Okay. That was a terrible guess. Uh, I liked it. (laughs) Jason Bateman, Jason Ritter, Judd Hirsch. Oh, odd man out is what is the year again? 1997. Okay. Uh, Ritter. Dang. Correct. Putting the pressure on Tara. Here you go. Yeah. 1990 CBS sitcom about a woman who relocates her New York private detective firm <laughs> to her hometown. And is gay. <laughs> the baloney files. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is Sydney. Okay. Sydney. Yep. 
with a Y. Right. Well, with two yep. Ys. Ellen DeGeneres, mm-hmm. Matthew Perry, Valerie Bertinelli. <sighs> Ellen is the odd man out. Correct. Oh. All right, Stephanie. Yeah. 1990 TGIF sitcom version of the Look Who's Talking movies. Um, I watched this show. I want to say it's called <laughs> Look Who's Talking. It is not. Tara, do you know no, what it's I can't called? remember. It's called Baby That's Talk. Right. Who's the odd man out? George Clooney, Ryan Gosling, Scott Bayo. <laughs> By the way, guys, I'm so glad we get to play the tiebreaker because it is. I'm gonna say Ryan Gosling because he would have been like a child. He would have been two years old, correct? Yeah. Nice. Correct. All right, final score breaks, please. Okay, Stephanie finished with uh, 12 points, very strong, and Sarah and I are tied with 19 each. Okay. Here's the tiebreaker. Did the actor I am going to say appear on ER. Oh, Each player wow. gets a name and has to decide if they were a guest star on ER or not. All right. Oh, my God. Okay. Actual guest stars are highlighted for me. So there we go. 45 actors <laughs> in the hopper. Please do try to keep track of your own points. Okay. So each one is a yes or no question. Were they uh, on ER? Here we go. Ready? We're going to start with Sarah. Okay. Adam Scott. Yes. Bobcat Goldthwaite. Yes. Bradley Whitford. Yes. Oh. Brian Cranston. Uh, no. Ooh. Chris Pine. Ooh. No. Mm. Was. Ah. Okay. Christina Hendricks. She, yeah, she was. Two to three. Yep. Christopher Reeve. No. Dakona Fanning. Yes. Deborah Messing. Ooh. No. Demi Moore. No. Damon Hanzu. Yes. Jaiman Hanzu. Yes, Jaiman. Don Rickles. Yes. Ooh. Eric Stone Street. Yes. Ewan McGregor. Yes. Fran Drescher. No. <laughs> Gabrielle Union. Uh, no. Yes. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Huh. Yes. Ah, no. no. John Lithgow. Uh, no. Julie Bowen. Yes. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst. Yes. Kyle McLaughlin. No. Lance Hendrickson. Mm, yes. No. Laura Dern. Uh, yes. Oh, I would have said yes too. Lucy Liu. Uh, yes. Margaret Kidder. Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder, yes, yeah, sorry. Margot Kidder, yeah. Shit. No. 
Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Paul, sorry, Mark Paul Gossler. Oh. No. Nice. Mark Ruffalo. No. Mina Savari. No. No. Yes. This is 30 of 45. uh, Mike Myers. No. Correct. Quick score break. Um, Sarah has 11. I have 12. (laughs) Fuck. Morton Downey Jr. (laughs) Morton Downey Jr.? Yep. No. (laughs) Nick Nick Offerman. Uh, yeah. Octavia Spencer. Ooh. No. Damn it. Yes. Patricia Arquette. Mm, No. Okay. Richard Schiff. Yes. Sam Neill. No. Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. No. Ooh. Should have been. Shyla LaBeouf. Uh, yes. Stephen Tobolowski. Tobolowski. Yes. He seems like he's been in everything, but... Not this shit! Never would have guessed that. That he wasn't. Taraji P. Henson. Mm, Yes. Not only yes, two different characters. Good for her. Season four and season five. Terry Gar. Yes. Tom Hiddleston. No. Val Kimner. (laughs) Kilmer. That was just for you. I know. (laughs) Was he? The Saint. Uh, How silly can you get? Uh, I'm going to say no. (laughs) Wayne Knight. Yes. Seems like he should have been. He was not. Finally, Zach Efron. There's 40. Oh, wait. I guess that should have been the final one. That's an even number. But for Shits and Giggles, wait, what's the score? Uh, Tar one. Yeah, Sarah has 15. I have 18. Super close. Okay. Zach Efron for Shits and Giggles. Was he in it? No. He was. What? I would have said yes. Yes. Oh, Sarah yeah. would have said all right, congratulations, Sarah. Good job, Dara. Man. Wow, that was hard fun. Good job, Sarah. I made you work for that one. Sorry. Tara. Job, no, Tara. That was fun. That was fun. That was a well uh, curated list. Of it the, was. The ones that got you, they, they were, seemed very possible. For sure, uh, yes. Well done, Casino. Yep. <laughs> that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We singled out Smilf for review this week, but not before celebrating our tiny triumph, the successful soft launch of the campaign for the return of the epic old school recaps previously.tv slash recaps. We went around the dial with stops at Rose Haven 90 Day Fiance. Uh, What was it? Sarah, what was the title of your doc? Joan Didion The Center Will Not Hold. And the Pickle and Peanut Challenge. Tara successfully pitched us the Smile and Jack episode of Detroiters. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Tara was a winner of this week's and this season's opening game time. Remember, we're listening. 
I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariana, please don't do this. Sarah D. Bunting. See you, Doris. And Stephanie Early Green. I'll have a giant glass boot filled with beer. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time right here. Extra hot great. Welcome back. Are you ready to order? Is this on you? Of course. All right, good. I guess I'll just have a surf and turf. Count is surf and turf. And a calamari to split. I get mod sticks with all the dips. And then maybe a bowl of pasta to split for the table. You get breadsticks with all the dips. And a triple bourbon and a verners. An arancini bowl. What is that? Uh, it's like a Italian rice dish, sometimes with mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, too. Yeah, yeah we'll take uh, that one, too. He's with the little dip. Have you, sir? Oh, I'll just share with them. This guy. Can you believe it? <laughs> Can you freaking believe it? <laughs> this has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. A dramatic rescue mission from the depths of space. You're 200,000 miles out. You're in a spacecraft that's dying. 13 Minutes to the Moon Season 2 tells the real story of Apollo 13. I literally got on my knees and prayed. 13 Minutes to the Moon. We don't have much time. From the BBC World Service. We're not going to the moon anymore. We're going to just be damn lucky to get home. ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.